Mark chapter 3. So we are, did you see how I transitioned that? Uh, we, <laughs> we are in the, the gospel of Mark. We have been uh, now in this book for 13 weeks. Today is week 14. We are preaching through the gospel of Mark. Uh, last week we began chapter 3 and so today uh, we're going to continue in chapter 3 starting with verse 7 and going through verse 12 if you want to pull your Bibles out or if you want to get your phones or your apps or whatever uh, we are on you uh, version the Bible app you version if you go to events on there uh, you can find our outline on there for the message today and all the scripture that we're going to be using is on there if you want to use that but what I want to talk about today basically is a summary of the reality that as Jesus' ministry grew in popularity, he often was forced to minister in the outlying areas to accommodate the crowds that gathered. And what I think needs to happen, and here's, here, here's the key to this message today and what we're going to see in this passage, is that the folks that we're going to see in here desired to be in the presence of Jesus. They desired to be close and near to him. And to be honest with you, I think the church needs to capture this passion and desire as a church, as the body of Christ, to be in the presence of Jesus as much as we possibly can. Would you agree with me on that? You see, what we're discovering as we go through the Gospel of Mark is we're discovering that Jesus rarely stays in one place for any extended period of time. He's on the move a lot, and he continues to be on the move, ministering to different people with various needs and different places with different identities. And so such is the case today as we look at this passage of Scripture. Jesus, in verse 7 through 12, he has encountered opposition in the synagogue and he moves out of the synagogue. We talked about that last week. And now what he's doing in this passage is he's heading out into the outlying area around the Sea of Galilee. Now, as we've been discovering, as we've been going through the Gospel of Mark, uh, some people did not like Jesus. Some people, as a matter of fact, flat out hated Jesus. But others desired to be near him. Some wanted to get rid of him, all right? And others wished that he would never depart. Some felt threatened by his presence, and others received great comfort through him. Well, unfortunately, this contrast will follow Jesus throughout his entire ministry, and even more unfortunately, there are those around us today that fall into all of these different categories. And see, as we have discovered, Jesus, no matter where you fall in the category, Jesus cannot be ignored. His presence demands a response. His presence demands to, for us to make a decision. We must either embrace 
his grace or rejected. Today, as you sit before me, you cannot fail to respond. You can either receive it or you can reject it. You can accept it or you can push it away. But it requires a response for each and every one of us. And so today, we're just going to spend a few moments, and I want us to look at what it means to be in the presence of Jesus. And I pray we all desire to be near the Lord, to seek to receive all he has for us. But as we move into these verses, we are going to look at what it means to be in the presence of Jesus. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, I just ask that you would take anything that is of me out of this message. Lord, I pray that the words that come out of my mouth today would be your words and your words alone. Lord, on this special Mother's Day, I pray that our hearts and minds would be open to hear exactly what it is that you have to say to us today. And Lord, I pray more than anything that we respond and we seek to be in your presence. I pray this in your precious name and everybody says, Amen. Amen. All right, so we're just going to go through the passages and we're going to start with verse 7 and 8, okay? So as Jesus continued to minister among the people, I told you, as I was told you before, his popularity, he's becoming popular. His popularity is growing. I mean, word is reaching out all around the regions, and the crowds we're seeing in this passage, the crowds are getting larger and larger and larger. And so in verse 7, just in the first part of verse 7, it says, Jesus departed with his disciples to the sea. All right, so here we discover a particular challenge. Jesus faced at the mo this moment in his ministry. He was forced to move out of the city, okay? Last week, remember he was in the synagogue? You remember last week? Remember what was going on in the synagogue? Remember how he healed the crippled, the, uh, the withered hand, and he got in all kinds of trouble from the Pharisees and stuff like that? Like as if he really cared? Not, okay? But what's happening is the crowds are getting larger and larger, and so he's facing a, a, a moment in his ministry where he's forced to withdraw from the cities, to withdraw from the villages, and to go out into the region that is around the sea, okay? And he's accompanied by his disciples. And so this withdrawal was actually the result of two different reasons, okay? In verse, verse 6 that we studied last week, immediately said, remember what I read last week? He said, immediately the Pharisees went out and started plotting with the Herodians against him how they might kill him. Remember I, we talked about that last week? All right. Following the healing of the withered hand in the synagogue, the Pharisees, they are determined to destroy Jesus. And so now we know they have no power apart from the Lord, right? All right. And his time has not come yet, so they don't, even though they want to kill him, they don't get to do this, okay? They, they're not going to get to do what they want to do, okay? 
However, their hatred for Jesus has caused him to minister or to pull out of the cities, and so he's gone out into more secluded areas from the cities, from the town, and from the villages, okay? And so he's pulling away because he's getting out of the, he's getting out of the focus of that, but what we also discover in a moment, what we're going to discover in a moment, is that the crowds have grown so large that the synagogues and the individual homes where he's been ministering could no longer accommodate them, all right? Jesus is forced to minister in open areas in order to accommodate the large crowds, the large number of people that are following. And so Jesus is always there for those who seek his face, amen? Jesus is always there. I'm having some tongue-tied issues today. Let's take a drink, all right? In fact, here's what we need to grab a hold of is that no matter where you're at, no matter what you're facing in life, no matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've done, no matter uh, who you see yourself as, he will meet you where you're at no matter where you are. And he will attend every need that you have if you surrender it to him. That's a promise that he's given to us, all right? And so the crowd, the crowd, it says in verse 7 and 8, it says, And a large crowd followed from Galilee, and a large crowd followed from Judea, Jerusalem, Udamea, beyond the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. Okay, so folks are coming from all over the place, okay? And we find that a great multitude throughout the region, they're coming to follow Jesus. They're coming to listen to what he has to say. There was no longer just the residents of Capernaum anymore, okay? People from all over are being attracted to him. They came from Galilee. They came from the densely populated region uh, across the sea. There's over 200 cities that are represented and over 15,000 or more coming to hear this Jesus. They would have journeyed just to get here. Some of them at least a hundred miles on foot. They gathered from the regions east of the Jordan River, from the northernmost regions of Tyre and Sidon, that's what it says, along the Mediterranean Sea, okay? Multitudes had descended on the region of Galilee hoping to find Jesus and follow him. Why'd they do this? Well, part of the reason is because they were curious. There are some of you who are here today, all right? You may not have a relationship with Jesus. You may be interested in this Jesus. You may not know for sure whether you want to follow this Jesus or not, but you're here today maybe because mom invited you, but some of you are here today out of curiosity, just curious to find out. You see, some of it says the large crowd came to him because they heard about everything that he was doing. You see, the reason why some people gather, some people come to church, is because they're curious. And if we, as followers of Jesus Christ, if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing 
in the world, in the community, as followers of Jesus Christ, we ought to be building this curiosity around us. I hope and I pray that people come to Lifebrook Church because they hear about what God is doing here out of your voices. If you want to see, the, if you want to see all the seats in this church filled... They're not going to get filled by us putting a billboard down the road. They're not going to get filled by us running an advertisement on the television. They're not going to be filled by us putting a pamphlet up and going and putting it in the local stores or hanging up posters. You want me to tell you how these seats in this room are going to get filled? You sharing Jesus Christ and what he's doing in your life with those you come in contact with. Plain and simple. You see, what was happening here in this passage of Scripture is the crowd started coming around because they heard everything that he was doing. And it didn't take long for the word to spread throughout Israel that Jesus worked mighty miracles. As people heard of him, they came seeking him, desiring to be in the presence of the one that they had heard so much about. And great multitudes came, and they came desiring to see Jesus. Now, as I pondered this this last week, as I was preparing this and I was going through this, and, and, and I've shared this with you all through this uh, series, you know, preaching through the gospel of Mark has been a challenge for me because oftentimes, as I put series together, I will do topical series a lot of times. And, and so uh, I will go and I will, uh, I will spend time in prayer, see where the Lord is leading me. I'll listen to what's happening in the life of the congregation, and then, and then from there I'll begin to develop. But with going through the gospel of Mark, I don't get to develop the topics all right as you travel through the gospel whatever comes next that's what you preach on okay and as i was thinking about this 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 past week i was thinking about the challenge here they didn't have the modern means of communication or transportation that we enjoy today did they you can say no the vast majority of those who came to hear Jesus walked. They walked everywhere they went. They wore Jesus sandals. You know? Somebody asked me this morning if the reason I wear those sandals is these are these my Jesus sandals. And I said, you know what? If they were good enough for him, they're good enough for me. That's why I wear sandals all the time. Not to mention the fact these are the easiest things in the world to get on and off, you know? And, and when your feet get hot, they cool you off. I haven't figured out what to do when your feet get cold yet, but... All right. Those of you who are guests today, I'm ADD, if you haven't discovered yet. All right? The vast majority walked everywhere they went. News was spread primarily by word of mouth. By modern standards, these these faced great limitations, and yet word spread of Jesus, and they journeyed to find him. They, they busted down barriers that we have created and built today, all right? Consider the advancements that we enjoy today. How many of you here walk everywhere you go? How many of you here do not have any form 
of communication. No telephone, no, uh, no radio, no, no computer, no anything. You have no form of communication. Who here today? My phone is dinging right now. Somebody is texting me during service. We have such advancements today. We have many avenues of communication. Yet, I'm amazed at the fact that we fail to tell others about the good news of Jesus Christ. We have automobiles in which to travel and yet oftentimes fail to ride a few minutes to engage in worship. I don't know about you today, but I think we need to see a revival in the church. I think we need to see a desired commitment renewed to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. You see, we need to have the passion and the desire that we see here in the scripture to go and be and to be about what Jesus is about. You see, in this passage of scripture, we discover that it didn't matter. It did not matter the obstacles. They wanted to be in the presence of Jesus, and no matter what the cost, no matter what the obstacle, they were going to overcome it to be in the presence of Jesus. Do we have that same passion today? Let's go on. Verse 9. And so here we discover some of the preparations Jesus made regarding the crowd that gathered. You see, first we see their curiosity, but now let's talk about some of the things that Jesus did, okay? In verse 9 it says, Then he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him so that the crowd would not crush against him. So as Jesus ministered to the crowds, he instructed the disciples to have a boat ready for him near the shore in case he needed to get a quick getaway. That's what I'm, I'm, I'm suspecting that. I'm thinking, I'm thinking if the crowd gets too big, man, he's going out into the water deeper, right? That's what I would do, yeah, you know? It was not an angry crowd, don't get me wrong, okay? But this was a determined crowd. They wanted to be as close as they could possibly be to Jesus. No doubt many of them had traveled long distance to find Jesus, and they wanted to be near him. They, they likely desired to touch him, okay? They wanted to feel the power. They wanted to feel his presence, okay? In case the crowd got out of hand, Jesus... Didn't want to face physical harm, okay, due to sheer numbers, so he had a quick means of escape. Get the boat up there, I'll stand in the boat, all right? So that's what's going on here. Verse 10 goes on and says, Since he had healed many, all who had diseases were pressing toward him to touch him. Here we find the potential for the scene to become chaotic, very easily. I mean, imagine a crowd of literally thousands of people with the majority of them desiring healing. They all had heard of the power Jesus possessed. They were convinced that merely touching Jesus would bring healing to their lives. As the crowd grew larger, those in the back would have been pushing in an effort to get close enough to touch Jesus. They had faith that a touch 
would be sufficient, and they were determined to get close enough to touch him if at all possible. You see, we have watched in our own lives as crowds gather around different people. Have you ever been in the place yet? Have you ever been somewhere where there was a celebrity? My wife and I had an opportunity. It was a couple years ago. We were in New York, and we just happened to be walking down Broadway one night, and, and, and we saw these, like, gates up around, and, and, and so we're like, you know, because I'll ask anybody anything, you know. Hey, what's going on here? And so they let us know that there was a show that was going to be letting out in a little bit and that the celebrities would come from the show and they would come out into this back area before they left, all right? So I'm like, oh, who's coming out? I'm going to find out. It might be somebody I want to stay and see, you know? So I found out. Any of you guys watch the TV show Frasier? Yeah? You remember Frasier's brother? What was his name? Huh? Anybody know? Niles. That's it. So the guy that plays Niles is in this show. All right? So I actually know who the guy is, so I'm thinking I want to stay and see. So we stand out there, and we start out. We're like one of the first ones to stand out there, you know? And we stand out there, and we're waiting because we're dumb like that, you know? At least I am. By the time they came out, and I got to shake hands. The guy came down, hey, how you doing here today? Steve Van Blossom, yeah, I'll remember that for the rest of my life. No, okay. <laughs> By the time he came out, the crowd had gathered at such a level that I'm holding on to the rail, and I'm being pushed like this. I mean, they're pushing in to see this guy and to see whoever else, which I didn't recognize any of the rest of them. So I took pictures of him, and then I knelt down and fought my way out, okay? But the point is, the point is, is that people, when they are excited about someone or something, they will push in at a great level, okay? And we have watched crowds gather around celebrities hoping to get enough to touch them. We've watched in sadness as hungry, desperate people gather around food or, or vehicle aids hoping to receive something that they desperately need. This seems to be the situation that's going on in this passage of Scripture. Now, now, as I was reading through this, I have to admit, I have never, I have never in my life witnessed such a spectacle at the house of God. I have never experienced a crowd so excited to gather for worship that they were impatiently standing at the door, waiting for someone to open it and let them in. I cannot tell you in the three years that I have been here, and I love our church, and I love every one of you, there has not been one Sunday in the last three years where on Sunday morning at 8 o'clock when I go to open those doors, and I open those doors at 8 o'clock, I unlock it. There's never been a moment in the last three years where I went to the doors at 8 o'clock and there were crowds down the street pressing to get in here. And I've never driven by any other church in this community where I've seen that either. Now, I've seen it a few times 
at Christian concerts. I've seen it a few times at a Gaither concert or the Toby Mac concert or whatever the other band concerts. But we rarely see that in the church. What would it be like if we were as a passionate and as enthusiastic about coming to church as we are about going to a concert or going to the opening night of a movie or to a Cardinal game or a Blues game or an Ohio State Buckeyes game. You didn't think I was going to throw that in there, but I was. <laughs> you see, I, I, I'm not sure about you, but I think we need to have that type of desire. I think we need to be as passionate about coming into the presence of the Lord. And I'm not talking about just coming into the presence of the Lord in this building right here. I'm talking about in your life, in every aspect of your life. What would it look like in this world if we as followers of Jesus Christ were as passionate about coming into the presence of Jesus as we are about so many other things in life? You know, very likely, not everyone in this passage of Scripture, and let's move on to verse 11 and 12 so that I don't keep you here all day. Not everyone recognized the enormity of their encounter or the deity of Jesus Christ. Surely not everyone delivered, believed, not everyone believed, but, but they acknowledged Jesus on that day. In verse 11 it says, Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. You see, within the multitude of people were those possessed by unclean spirits. And while these spirits dominated those with whom they were residing, they quickly recognized that they were no match for Jesus Christ. And there is no mention of Jesus proclaiming his deity among the multitude. Nowhere in this passage of scripture do we see Jesus standing up and saying, I am Jesus Christ, I am the Messiah, I am the Lord, alright? But the spirits immediately acknowledged him. Jesus, they knew who he was, they knew what he was, they knew what he was about, and they submitted to his authority, and they fell down before him in fear. Sadly, many who encountered Jesus on that faithful day failed to recognize him as Christ. Untold millions are alive today who have not yet acknowledged the deity of Jesus Christ. He stands as the sole means of salvation for all who come to him in faith. And yet many have yet to submit to him for salvation. Folks, this morning, one of the challenges that I think that is so important for us as we bring this passage scripture and as we look at this message is that we must, if we do nothing else in life, we must magnify Jesus Christ. We must reveal him in every part of who we are. We must proclaim the true gospel to reach as many as possible while there's time and opportunity. 
We are not called to memorize scripture. We're not called to tithe, although we should and we should memorize scripture. We're not called, we're not called to take care of the building. We're not called to stand around and proclaim ourselves as Christians. You thought I was going to leap, didn't you? I almost did. That would have been funny. We are called to magnify Jesus Christ. It's not about the world seeing us. It's about the world seeing him through us. If we do not do that, folks, we have missed what we have been called, what the primary purpose of our life is. We must magnify him. We must proclaim the true gospel to reach as many as possible while there is time and opportunity to do that. Verse 11 going on, it says, Whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and they cried out, You are the Son of God. They not only bowed in submission to Jesus Christ, but they declared him to be the Son of God. They openly confessed the deity of Jesus, referring to him as the Son of the true and living God. This is the demon's. And sadly, the majority failed to see Jesus for who he really was, but the unclean spirits declared him to be Christ. They feared the Lord, knowing he had power over them. We must also recognize the Lord and come before him in humble, reverent fear. We must confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior of all. We must place our faith in him and him alone to receive salvation. I am thankful for the day that I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I am thankful for the revelation that I have received about being a full disciple of Jesus Christ and not just a title carrier. Folks, we are not just title carriers. We don't just carry the title Christian. We have been called to receive Christ and to declare Him in all that we are. There will come a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't care if you believe it or not, the day will come. And I rejoice Man, I'm getting all excited. I rejoice that I have confessed him as my Lord and Savior. Yet sadly, many who encounter Jesus on that day and since then do not declare him. Romans chapter 10 is a promise that we can all live by. Romans 10, 10, verse 10, verse 9 and 10 says this, and I didn't give that scripture, so Paula, don't worry about putting it up. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. Now I'm going to read verse 12 and we're going to wrap this up today. It says, And he would strongly warn them not to make him known. 
Now, we go back to the what we call the messianic secret that I talked about at the beginning of this series. And yet again, we find in verse 12, the demons are confessing and professing who Jesus is, and he strongly warns them not to make him known. You see, true, true to his character, Jesus rebukes these demon spirits, commanding them to remain silent before him. They were commanded not to speak or make him known. The spirits knew Jesus was the Christ, but they were not interested in obedience to him. Were they? They remained committed to Satan, their follower. Our Lord and Savior is not interested in the testimonies of evil spirits. He desires the confession of those whose hearts are changed by salvation, desiring to follow and serve him. He's not interested in what the enemy has to say about us. What he's interested in is what you and I have to say about him. We are the proclaimers of Jesus Christ. You see, what this reveals is that a mere confession is not enough. I've talked about this so many times, and I'll talk about it again today for a few moments. Just coming down to this altar and praying the sinner's prayer, asking for forgiveness, seeking repentance, believing, that is not enough. That's not where it ends. You don't get to come down, get a ticket, and then just wait for Jesus to return. We are called to repent, believe, and follow Jesus Christ. And so it's not just about confession. It is also about profession of our faith in our actions, in our lives, in all that we do. I have met many who acknowledged that Jesus was the Son of God. Some even believed that he died and rose again for the sins of the world, but they refused to submit to Christ for salvation. Mere head knowledge and vain words will never be enough. We must know Christ personally, recognize our need for salvation, and trust him alone to provide for us. Knowing about Jesus is much different than knowing Jesus. And this morning, what I want to challenge you with as the band comes up and we close, I want to challenge you with the examination of your life. I want to challenge you to look at yourself right now to look in the mirror, to look inside yourself and ask yourself the question, do I know about Jesus or do I know him personally? Am I professing him just with my mouth or am I living him in my life? You see, folks, we're not called to perfection by any stretch of the imagination because I'm going to be honest, we're not going to arrive there this side of eternity, all right? Can I get an amen? amen. Good, because I was getting nervous. I was the only imperfect person in the room. We're not called to per perfection, but we are called to obedience. We are called to live and walk in the presence of Christ.
We are called to be surrendered to him. We are not called just to proclaim him. We're called to proclaim and live and love like him. And some days we're really good at it. And then there's the other days. There's some days I'm really good. Ask my wife, ask my kids. There's some days I'm really good at living and loving like Jesus. And then there's some days, well, we don't want to talk about those days. (laughs) Jesus doesn't want us just to profess him. He wants us to live and be in his presence. The profession is the beginning, but the obedience is in the following. You see, this day, as this crowd moved in on Jesus, there were some who wanted to be as close as they could to him. There were some that were just interested in hearing about him. And there were some that didn't want anything to do with him, so they were there to destroy him. Where are you at in your life today? If you were standing in the crowd that we're reading about in this passage of Scripture, would you be one there just interested in finding out who this guy is? Would you be the one there looking for a way to bring him down? Or would you be one there that day trying to do everything you can to be as close and as deep into his presence as you possibly could be. I don't know about you this morning, but my desire is to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. And I want to do whatever it takes to make that happen. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, this morning, Lord, I thank you for this wonderful Mother's Day. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to study your word. And Lord, I don't know the different ears in this room today. There may be some here today who, Lord, don't know you as their personal Savior. And Lord, my prayer today is not not that, um, that they would make a commitment just out of emotion, but Lord, that they would understand who you are and how much you love them. And in that love, they would surrender to you and accept you and then get up and live for you. Lord, there are some in this room today who are struggling with all of the things in life becoming more important than you. They love you. They want you to be first place in their life. But life is pressing in. Lord, I pray that you would just help them to just let go and hang on to you. Lord, there are some here today that are looking for what it is that you want them to do, and they're looking for a desire.
to be as close to you as they possibly can. Lord, I pray that you would just speak to their hearts today. And Lord, give them direction. Lord, I pray this in your most precious name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Folks, there's